Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Today we are going to take a look at why we live our lives on the run and hopefully figure out why it is we run to God when we are in trouble and run from God when we want to get in trouble. The idea is when we are running away from one thing, we are always running to something else because you can never run to nothing and you can never run away. And this takes us to our first passage of scripture and a summary of Proverbs 139. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Where then shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, you are there. And this is the life of every believer, even those who think they are right where they need to be with God. There is no denying it. We are all on the run and either running to God or away from God and constantly and at multiple times in our day and throughout our lives, we attempt to run and hide and think we can outwit God. And before we get going, I know there are always a number of people in the crowd who somehow think they are unique and don't fall into the various life circumstances that are common to all. But you too, and all of humanity since Adam and Eve are no exception. So here are two things to keep in mind as we go through this message. First, don't live your life thinking of yourself more highly and upright and good and noble and holy than is even possible. That righteous, good, noble, and holy bar is set very high and far higher than you or I or anyone else is capable of achieving until Christ returns. In other words, don't try to achieve the unachievable, and that is our first example of running away from God. Let's look at Romans 12.3. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. This word sober here is fantastic. This is a direct reference to not being drunk on yourself, drunk on your own ego, pride, and your delusions of grandeur and how righteous you presume to be. And that takes us right to Romans 3.10, which says, No one is righteous. No, not one. How about Mark 10.18? Jesus said, Why do you call me, Jesus, good? No one is good except God alone. The fact is, this is who we are, what we gravitate toward, and it's only the reason they are listed out as they are in God's Word. We quickly and regularly think of ourselves far more highly than is acceptable and tolerable. We think of ourselves as being far more righteous than is possible, and we definitely love to think we are very often very good. And when we engage with those ideas and lift ourselves up in that way, we are running from reality. We are drunk with disillusionment of who we really are, and that is running from the truth. And that truth is God. Keep in mind, not even God in the likeness of a human, as Jesus, accepts the attribute of being good. Jesus states only God, in God form, is good. And that is an example of what we are to run to and keep very close at hand. And if we claim to live like Jesus, we must remain very sober in how we live because there is only one way to live. 
John 14, 16, I am the way and the truth and the life. Second, all day, all week, all year for that matter, each one of us stews in our very own homemade handcrafted concoction of sin juices that is topped off with nothing less than a good helping of forbidden fruit. And while we are bubbling away on the burner of the world, we are just about always prepared to hop out of that pot at a moment's notice so no one can actually find us out. And despite the juices of disobedience and waywardness running off of us and all over the place, and for all to see, we somehow come to the arrogant conclusion very often that we can show the world and God we aren't half as much of a disaster as it might appear. Our famous line when we are caught, oh, it's not what you think. And this is exactly what gives Christians a bad name, a bad smell, and leaves a very bad taste in the mouth of the world. And this is an example of what we run to when we run from God and the sin we attempt to quickly run from when we think we might get caught or have been caught. Instead of humbly admitting and confessing and stating, oh, it's exactly what you were thinking and exactly what it looks like and that we are wrong and have made disastrous mistakes. And if we don't present ourselves that way, we are no different than the world. And so we are rightly judged by the world for who we truly are, hypocrites, frauds. And another example of running from the truth, the truth of humility. Quick side note, it's all too often these very unsober, drunk, judgment-lacking Christians, the church, who invite others to our place of worship to fellowship with us. And based on what we are figuring out about our condition and the flight risk that we are, would you come to and participate with people like that? Isn't it high time we as the church, believers, Christians, those who claim Christ and claim to walk as he walked and live as he lived, get right before we start telling others how they are to live and what is right and what is wrong? 1 Timothy 3.5 makes this clear. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for the church of God? Hey, believer, hey, church, this is something we need to run to. We need to sober up and head home. We need to run to the kitchen and dump the pot of sin and mop up the trail of sin that spilled all over the place before someone else runs through our disastrous kitchen of life and slips and falls. Romans 14:13 states, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of anyone. Again, we see in scripture what we do, the life we live, the places we run to, and the reasons we run to those places is so impactful to everyone around us and can and will cause others to follow us for better or for worse. So why don't we run the race God has set out before us with sober judgment? It's nothing more and nothing less than where we all are at the present time, and that of still living in sin. Like it or not, every one of us is still tempted by Satan, and we all fall short of God's original intent for our lives. But never use that as an excuse. This might offend you, but in all actuality, people never grow up. We generally remain stubborn, bratty kids that do no more than expand in size. And men, that is far more the case for us than it is for women. Ladies, don't enable the men in your life to live like that. If need be, lovingly, let them face plant in the dirt and let God deal with them. Men, if you are married, do not take this action with your wife. God has assigned us very different rules and roles to follow but that is for a different message. But if you have ever spent enough time around kids, 
you likely caught them doing something they were not supposed to be doing, and more often than not, even while their hand was in the proverbial cookie jar with the chocolate all over their face and hands and shirt, and while they are being questioned as to whether or not they were eating cookies, they often emphatically say no. Worth repeating, we remain in that place our whole life to some degree, and we attempt to run from our errant ways and on the spot denying any wrongdoing even though everyone around us knows we are complete and absolute frauds. In the same way, and again, if you've been around children long enough, you have likely heard or uttered the words yourself, no running, stop running, someone is going to get hurt. And this is often said because there is someone around that evidently knows better and knows what could or will happen if the running continues. And this is only known most often because of past experience and getting hurt, and sometimes very badly. And that is exactly what God, our parent, our father, our caretaker would like to also do for us, his children. He gives us plenty of warnings and very often the warning of no running, stop running, come back here. If you don't listen, you're going to get hurt. The one good thing God does not do, however, is count to three. He means what he says the first time, on one. And it is up to us to either listen on one or find out the hard way on two. But like all children, we regularly don't listen and we do fall and we do get hurt and sometimes very badly. And like all hurt children, when we fall and get battered up, we holler, scream, get mad, deny it was our fault and blame the circumstances on everyone and everything else and demand others to fix our problems and lend a helping hand at once. This, however, is very flawed logic, and that because we are asking for help at the wrong time, and only needing to ask for help because we didn't listen, and we didn't listen only because we thought we knew better, and in reality, didn't. So we kept running, and running away from the truth, and ran right into our pending consequence. And sometimes we need to stay in our consequence long enough to remember our stubbornness and how it got us in the mess that we're in. You're right. Don't be an enabler, not even with your children. But this too is for another message. Let's take a look at Proverbs 3.11. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Can't tell you how many people I see running in the dark at dawn or dusk in the street in very stylish, ultra-trendy, all-black exercise apparel. Or those who wish to go further and faster and are propped up on two wheels, also in a very stylish, ultra-trendy, black skin-tight apparel, and also in the street, and all while attempting to cohabitate in peace and harmony with forces that far exceed the human abilities and regularly remind us, in some cases tragically, of our very finite limitations. And I have known multiple people who have not been able to cohabitate with the forces greater than themselves on the road and a number of those who recovered and returned to set activities with little thought to their past experiences and further blamed the outside forces for the mishap, but never changed their ways. And yes, this can be applied perfectly to those who misuse substance, narcotic, alcohol, food, tobacco, etc. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear, as in respect, of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. How about Hebrews 12, 5 through 6? Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises everyone whom he receives. By the way, I too have run and biked in stylish black apparel 
and was even ejected from my bike into a lane of traffic because my front wheel got stuck in a large seam in the road. And without too much thought, I returned to my normal activities. But these experiences of getting hurt or nearly getting killed should give me full cause to pause. And most definitely as a believer, things like this should serve as a clear wake-up call to reassess what we are doing. Yet all along, we think we can handle it. We know what we are doing. We've done it for years without problem. And we are old enough now to make our own decisions. And even when we have had a few bumps and bruises, we always pulled through it and our list is likely longer depending on how intellectual we might hope to be on the subjects we have lived through to tell about. Psalm 94.12 says this, Blessed is the one whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. And all of these examples are the same exact way we live our lives before God. We ignore the rules God has given us in a fantastic, logical, plain-as-day activity and safety manual. God's Word. His Word tells us exactly when and where it is safe to go and where it is not. And He also includes all the very cool, custom-fit, technical gear we will need to get from point A to point B. Point A, Earth. Point B, Heaven. And this is spelled out right here in Ephesians 6.13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. But do we do this? Do we follow these rules? Not very often. But when we are suited up in custom kingdom armor, we are in right standing with God, even though we are in the world and at war. And when we keep our armor on, that is running to God and staying in the truth. Sadly, however, we usually only run to God when we are in trouble. As I stated at the beginning, we run to God when we are in trouble and run away from God when we want to get in trouble. And so we most often relate to God when we are in trouble instead of enjoying our relationship with Him because we are being obedient and in His will. Oftentimes, unfortunately, running to God at the point we are in trouble is very often too late in the game. And sometimes, too late for anything to be done about our circumstances. I frequently engage in conversations when counseling that revolve around the premise of, so long as I run to God and admit that He is who He claims to be, and without doubt, even if I am seconds away from dying, God will accept me as a child of His and I will be saved and go to heaven, right? And the answer to that is yes. However, and this is a very big however, the fact that you already admit that you know you will need to repent and put your trust in God to end up spending your eternity forgiven and in heaven with Him and are not following through on that at the present means it is highly likely that life will take you before God will have a chance. And this is an example of knowing which way to run, but deciding you will have the time and the wherewithal when the unexpected bomb of life does go off in front of you, to even turn around and get to God. How about we expand this a bit further to make sure it's clear? The tires on my car are really wearing down, and I know that eventually when the tread is worn down enough, it will result in a significant reduction in bringing the vehicle to a controlled stop. I did, by the way, choose those final words very carefully. I said, will result in a significant reduction in bringing the vehicle to a controlled stop. I said that because you will come to a definitive stop eventually, but it will be a stop that is likely and completely out of your control. 
and life lived this way will also come to a very definitive stop, but well outside of our control. No, I am not saying at all just because you are a believer, there won't be a surprise in life. I'm not saying believers won't hydroplane and skid and even have nasty wrecks. What I am saying is, however, when there are surprises as a believer, they will all be within the limits in which we can handle them. And that is a promise from God. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. How about we keep going for just a minute with our driving analogy? This promise from God we just read in 1 Corinthians also comes into play when things jump out in front of us that we can't anticipate. And so it has been the objective since 1886 when the first motor car was developed that automotive manufacturers have worked to help build in systems to protect us in such circumstances. And today are working to install not only systems to help protect us, but in some cases, systems designed to mitigate or altogether prevent disastrous outcomes when things come out of the blue. And this is God as it pertains to the believer, his children. This is exactly what God does for us. This is exactly what God desires to build into our lives when we fully allow him to be the tech wizard in our existence. He is constantly pushing out all the necessary safety and security updates to our minds and hearts. And as we progress through life, he continues to update our system in order that we might properly handle the many things that will come our way and even those things that come our way head on. What's even better is God gives each of us exactly what we need and it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of care. Each of his children get a very unique love. However, like most devices we use today, they require us to take the time to check when a new update for the device is needed. And we need to take that time. We need to take that action and download the updates. And the only reason the updates are pushed out by the manufacturer of our devices is to either give us a better user experience or to keep our devices secure from predators intending to inflict harm and hacking their way into our personal lives. Are you hearing this? This describes our lives perfectly. Our predator, the scammer of all scammers, the hacker of all hackers, Satan, is fully invested into hacking our lives and bombarding us with very convincing looking spam and viruses. Satan's goal is to get us tripped up to think what we are seeing and doing is valid, when in reality, we only get caught up in the scam because we do not do our due diligence and ask for guidance on what to do. And that from God. We failed to do a proper investigation, and so we clicked, we ate, we injected, we watched, we drank, we smoked. What on the surface appeared to be okay and legitimate, but ultimately fell into the trap of evil and oftentimes destruction and devastation. Instead of running to God for help and answers and wisdom, we ran from God to figure it out on our own, and all because we thought we knew better and have everything taken care of and all because we think we are smart and mature and wise. But when we do life on our own understanding, more often than not, we get angry and upset when we fall victim to the devil's schemes and question how people could ever be so bad and do such things to hurt people and ruin their lives. But that doesn't sound like a believer 
That doesn't sound like a Christian because God will keep us from falling victim to Satan's warfare in our lives if, only if, we decide to install and maintain the information we need to to protect us from these attacks and that is relying on trusting God and His Word. Do keep in mind, however, we will continue to get Satan spam. Yes, it will look very convincing. Yes, it is true, we will be tempted to click on it and open it and see for ourselves if it is real or not, how dangerous it is. But when we do get overzealous and engage, as we read, that is definitely the time to pull from our resources of knowing exactly what God can and will do for us in these circumstances. And He will guide us through these times of conflict and evil, but only if we trust Him. Worth repeating, if we do not follow God's Word, the full and perfect manual, perfectly complete with every download we need to get through every aspect of life, we won't have the necessary security features installed into our hearts and minds that will keep us protected, which will ultimately lead our system to crash and in need of more work than had we just taken the time to keep our systems, our lives, up to date. Proverbs 7, 2 through 3 states, Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And while this passage in God's Word is specifically referencing adultery, it is certainly an applicable proverb throughout our lives. And for so many men and women who completely turn off all of God's security and warning systems, He has installed in us. And all too often we make the mistake and we click, call, look, watch, and you can take it from here on where it often ends up and most often with devastating results. But here's our promise, our 24-hour security system, the safety backup, the secure firewall we must rely on and trust. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And by virtue of not keeping our lives up to date and trusting God, who has and will supply all of our needs, we are running away from Him and doing it our way, on our time, and because we are either lazy or arrogant, or maybe both. Perhaps at this point, however, it sounds as though God just wants us to be nothing more than a robot, nothing more than a microchip and processor to just take commands and not have the freedom to run around and enjoy the life God's given us. But that could not be further from the truth and not at all what God is telling us. In fact, God designed our lives to literally and figuratively be in motion and in constant motion, but always in motion that is safe and honoring to Him. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How about Isaiah 40, 29? He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. This is a vivid picture of exactly how God wants us to live and enjoy our lives. However, if we do not trust God to do and give us what he promises, we will live our lives exhausted and anxious and owning every battle that comes our way and dealing with those battles in very ineffective ways and often with very deficient outcomes. Believers will have poor outcomes on various things in their lives for sure, but regardless of our outcome here on earth, we know there is an outcome not far off that is guaranteed to be wrapped in perfection 
and once and for all flawlessly secure and never again exposed to evil. But while we are here, we need to live out, believe, trust in, and bind all God has for us around our fingers and stamp it on the tablet of our hearts. So let us rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character that produces hope. And since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. For by you, God, I can run against a troop, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. And not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brother and sister, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Because blessed is the one who remains steadfast and under trial. For when that person has stood the test, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So where are you? In which direction will you be headed when you can no longer run? And will you be able to exclaim, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And will you hear God and reply, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we wander like sheep and run from the fold and regularly run to disasters. Yet, Father, you are there wanting us to call on your name and ask for guidance. Forgive us for seeking Google for guidance far more than we seek your guidance to help us navigate our way through the twisted and crooked paths of this world. Help us to discover peace in you and listen to the directions you have for us and keep us strong and filled with the joy of your salvation and running to you in all things and in all circumstances. And this we ask in the precious name of our all-sufficient Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you.